You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Good evening. Welcome to Fantasy Wildcard Dynasty. I'm your host, Kev. You can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. With me tonight, as always, my lovely, amazing co-host, Matt, who you can follow on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. Good evening, Matt. How are you? I'm doing very well, thanks, Kev. I love it. Sharing my compliments. I think you're trying to make up for uh, for not being with me in recent times, obviously not being on the last few shows. So, um, yeah, it's good to have you back. Myself, doing great. We're so close to football starting now. So, yeah, getting really excited. We've got a great show coming up. Um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful. Um, and speaking of beautiful... Our man Ali is not here tonight, unfortunately. He's uh, having some internet issues, which I'm, I've had in the past. But um, I think you've got a car crashed into a, a BT box near his house, and he's pretty fuming, to say the least. But um, he'll be back with us as soon as he can. It might be a couple of weeks, but um, hopefully the Bucks lose a few games and uh, comes back at a nice time. But um, we'll, we're, not, we're, not, we're not bothered about Ali tonight. We're, on a, we're bothered about our guest. We have got an amazing guest. Our last guest of this uh, off-season, I guess. So we've saved the best to last, I think. Not trying to put him up too much, but this guy, he's a co-host of the Five Yard Dynasty Show, and he's actually um, the best co-host based on uh, the hammering I got on David and Joku from the other co-host of Five Yard Dynasty uh, when he was on a couple of weeks ago, Liam. Um, he's also a contributor over at DLF and a co-organiser of the UK FFC. So we want to give a warm fantasy wildcard welcome back to Rich Cooling, who you can follow on Twitter at Dynasty Island. Good evening, Rich. How are you? Evening, yeah, very good. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, always, always love coming on with you guys. Shame, as you said, that, that Ali's not here to join us. But I'm, I'm getting used to Ali not show up whenever I'm around. So yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming. Should we call it? A, I'm starting to develop a complex. It is a common theme because he obviously went on with Liam as well. I think I don't know what you two have done to Ali, but I don't, I don't didn't didn't show up didn't show up to the UK <laughs> no, FFT either. No. So you know, I've obviously upset him somewhere. It's definitely some hush money involved. I think just uh, <laughs> wonder what's keeping him away. But um, we have got an amazing show today. It's it's the last show before we get the action back and rolling. And we thought, what better way to to sort of round up the off season than talking about players that we believe or what Rich, our guest, believes will win your fans titles in 2022. So uh, no pressure on me and Matt tonight. It's all Rich's picks and we'll just um, agree or disagree and uh, give our, our take along, alongside those. So we'll kick it off at QB position as we always do. Who's your first player you'd like to target in 2022 as a potential league winner, Rich? So I feel like this this is becoming slightly almost my brand in terms of uh, this player, but also this archetype of of player. Um, so yeah, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position. Um, for me, I I feel like I say this far too much, but I think age at the quarterback position is the number one most overrated thing in Dynasty. Everybody obsesses over these young superstar quarterbacks that we're going to have for 15 years, but they seem to forget that, you know, quarterback is at best a 50-50 proposition and you know yes a 22 year old quarterback could be a quarterback 15 years but he could equally be out of the league in two years um Aaron Rodgers he's he's been a QB1 every single season of his career that he has played 15 games um he's back-to-back MVP people worry about his age um because he's he's 
going into his age 38 season. But, you know, I, I talk about following the money and you've just got to look at his contract and there is no way that he's not playing for at least two years. And, you know, for me, if you're saying Aaron Rodgers is healthy, he's a QB1. And how many other quarterbacks can you say that about in Dynasty over the next two years? And that's the kind of window that I'm looking to to try and compete in. So if I'm looking for a quarterback that I think is, you know, potentially gettable, you know, yes, we'd all love to go out and trade for Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers is probably half the price. And I think, you you know, you're not going to get similar production, but you can get QB1 production at half that price. Yeah, no, I think I'm fully on board with this one, Rich. As you say, this seems to be your your go-to thing, talking about Aaron Rodgers. I know every other, every other podcast that I see you on, you seem to be talking about Aaron Rodgers. And yeah, I can, I can fully understand why, as you say, people seem to fade the quarterback position because of the age. It's like the the least important stat, I think, when it comes to quarterback, the age. It's like, why, why are we getting worried about age? you just got to look at these young guys, people like Justin Fields. Who's to say that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play longer than Justin Fields? But yeah, everyone's super excited about these these younger quarterbacks. This is the guy that's been there and proven it. And you just got to go over to things like player profile, look at some of the stats. As you mentioned, Rich, is consistently a QB1. But then looking at the uh, the metrics, fifth in money throws, fifth in true completion percentages, first true passer rating, ninth in red zone accuracy, and 12th in deep ball accuracy. I mean, he's consistently that top top tier quarterback in in those efficient in those metrics. I just I just don't get it. I don't get why people are fading him. I understand the fact obviously Devontae Adams no longer there, but this is still Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. If he's, he's not going to target one guy, he's going to be spending the ball about. There's still players there that I'm sure we're going to talk about maybe one a little bit later on. But there's there's players on this offense that can still help Aaron Rodgers be that QB one. And as you say, well, he's not got that elite scene that maybe we've seen in in recent years now that he's lost his top weapon. I think he's still a rock solid QB one in, in fantasy. And the fact that you can get him was a QB 18 on keep trade cut, QB 14 on, on DLF. Yeah, I mean, that that feels like a bargain to me. And if you're a win now team, you've got to be targeting somebody like Rogers. Yeah, I think both of you have summed it up really well. Um, I agree with everything you've both said. Um, I guess the only pause I have is he's going as like a QB nine in sort of redraft terms. And I know we're not a redraft show, but I think it's, it does give you an idea for win now teams. QB nine, do I think he's going to be the QB nine? Possibly. I think he'll be a low end QB one. So um, I think league winner, if you've had him on your roster for a while, maybe not league winner, but if you've been doing a start this off season or if you've traded for him, at the price you've paid, QB18 and keep trade cut, um, like for your startups and you, any trade you made this offseason, I think you're absolutely killing it because he's you've essentially taken him as low in QB2 and he is going to be a QB1 uh, regardless, of his, regardless of his weapons. Um, I think if Christian Watson, for example, explodes, why can't he finish top five again, top six again? It's unlikely, but... I, my only pause is the ceiling, but I think, yeah, he's he's someone that if you've bought him recently, you've absolutely crushed the value. So off to a great start. And just adding, it is great when to see you like fighting on Twitter and uh, going on like <laughs> privacy debates with Evan and uh, having a, a nice little uh, uh, heated argument. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good that you've stuck to your brand. That's uh, the main thing. <laughs> so we're now going to move on to... Your next selection, Rich, another QB. Uh, who we got? Yes, yeah, so I, th- I think 
this guy it, it basically comes down to what you're looking for with your qb2 and you know i've said already you can look at some of the young guys i think in this sort of range we're talking about the tours and the zach wilson's matt jones justin fields but for me i've got james winston ahead of all of them um so that's my second guy i think that look we, we've seen when this guy is healthy and when this guy's on the field he's a you know a fantasy star now do i think he's going to replicate the tampa bay final season where i think was it the qb3 that he finished as that year no but i think that's definitely within his you know realm of outcomes this is a guy that produced when he was on the field last year he's now going to get potentially a healthy michael thomas he's getting in my eyes an elite wide receiver coming out of college in, in chris olave you chuck him back into that, you know, uh, yes, an aging, but I still got a guy that can still get open in Jarvis Landry. I think that for me, the value is ridiculous if you're just looking at him for a one year window. But for me, I think if, if you look at the Saints contract situation, the draft pick situation, you can almost guarantee that James Winston is going to be the quarterback for the next two years. And I think that that is the misunderstanding and the reason why his value is so depleted the saints haven't got a first round pick next year because they traded up for chris olave they traded up for for uh trevor penning i want to say the offensive lineman from a cap situation you know we joke about the saints and the cap and the borrowing against the credit card (laughs) but they are up against the cap they only save four million dollars by releasing james winston okay they're not going to be able to go out and draft a, 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 a starting quarterback next year they're not going to be able to go out and trade for a starting quarterback next year. They're not going to be able to sign a starting quarterback in free agency. So James Winston is a two-year starting quarterback that has got elite potential upside and you can get for, I mean, what are we saying? He's, he's like a back-end QB2 at the moment. I mean, that's that's a screaming value for me. He's, he's my quarterback 17. I think that you know once you get past that kind of safe tier of the Stafford's, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. If I'm looking for upside, I, I, I think James Winston's got more upside than any quarterback that's going after him, but probably four or five picks um, in front of him as well. Yeah, I think that's a really important point about where he's going in your drafts and what he's done previously um, when he's been valued around guys like, well, lower than Mac Jones and, um, Zach Wilson, they, these are maybes, but Winston's been a top five QB before. He's shown that he can do it, throwing it all over the place previously. Last season, he was doing it in a more controlled manner. Uh, so, best weapons he's had in, in New Orleans. Um, I think the, the only pause I have is Sean Payton, him not being there. But, I mean, are we going to read too much into to the head coach when his talent level around him's gone up um, and he, he, he yeah he's, he's guaranteed a role for two years i know we're on about win now for this season but just going back to dynasty i think qb24 it's he's a guy that i'm, I'm really interested in at his cost um, and what it could be this season if everything pans out it, it does make him a league winner in my eyes yeah no i think i agree like 
I think like Rich said, Rich is probably a guy that that really made me warm to to Winston. And I mean, obviously this year I, I really like him. The fact that he's in the Saints, we talked about the the wide receivers that he's got. Also, Alvin Kamara. I've not even mentioned Alvin Kamara. Probably one of the better receiving backs in in the NFL. That's only added juice to to what Winston can do. Um, yeah, I've got him in all my charity leagues. I've got him Scott Fishbowl, Warrior Bowl, JTT Cup, all because I just feel like the upside is there, and you're getting him at such a discount. Um, you've got his QB three, I think, in, in Scott Fish. I mean, the upside that he's going to give you. Is, now. And, and I know I, 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 I'm kind of falling into a little bit of brag there, so I, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> but but then as well, looking long term, like you said, Rich, I think it, like I say, it was you that laid it out to me. The fact a lot of the signs are pointing towards that it's not just that one year deal, and um, he's potentially two years. And like you said, I think there's a really strong chance that he's going to be um, starting quarterback next year. And then again, what he showed last year, those 14 touchdowns and just three interceptions to, to start the year before the injury. That's a that's a James Winston that we're not really used to seeing from from what we saw in Tampa. And while it might not have that elite upside that they had over at the Bucks, that's still pretty good going. I think that kind of performance, that kind of consistency, is what's going to keep him the job. And in fantasy, we need him to be starting games, and that's where we're going to get those fantasy points. So yeah, all in all, James, I think he's an absolute bargain. QB twenty four on QJ cut twenty three on DLF. Yeah, that feels like an, an absolute rock solid because he's a QB two in dynasty. Um, yeah, I'd be very shocked if he done easily outperform that. After you reeled off all them leagues you've took in, Matt, I kind of hope he does fail now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I never, never want him to fail because I've, I've got a bit of exposure as well. Uh, how about you, Rich? Um, obviously, he's a guy that you've spoke about a lot. Um, what's your exposure to, to Jameis Winston in, in your dynasty leagues? Oh, you've put me on the spot there now. Um, I, 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 honestly, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I guess in the sort of 15 to 20% range. Um, I've got a lot less of him. I've, I've not done what Matt's done. I've not got very much of him in any of the charity leagues. The problem is a lot of these charity leagues have gone the um, the route of the kind of completion percentage bonus and stuff like that. So I've, I've gone a little bit boring at, at quarterback in a lot of the charity leagues. I've also found myself going ridiculously late QB in pretty much every, every uh, redraft anything i've done this year so um but yeah i think i'd probably need to be double check but i'd say 15 to 20 percent would be around where it's at yeah it could be a player to target in 2022 i think as to win your league but we'll, we'll move on to the next guy another guy that's a potential league winner in 2022 we're now moving on to the running back position so who's your next guy rich so my next guy's joe mixon um i think this is probably the only I guess I'd say sort of elite high priced asset that I've, I've picked for today's show. Um, I think that for me, the way I like to play and, you know, it's, it's becoming the the norm in terms of how everybody plays. I know you guys both like it is, is you're building around those young wide receivers, you're building around those, those quarterbacks and you go out and buy the running back as, and when you can kind of compete as the, the final piece that puts you over the top. And I think that, you know, a, a lot has been made about, you know, the elite guys and whether you have to tr- go out and try and buy a, a Jonathan Taylor or a CMC or, or even someone like an Austin Eckler who's a little bit cheaper. And I feel like Joe Mixon is kind of that next tier down, but I could absolutely throw him in that tier in terms of his level of production and what I'm expecting from him this year. I think that he doesn't carry the name value of a Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, people like that. But I think in a production world, he's absolutely there. Now, I think it's very much dependent on your league because I don't know if you guys would agree, but it basically feels like every league 
has either got a Joe Mixon truther or not. And, you know, maybe if, if there is a Joe Mixon truther in your league, then the price is, <laughs> the price is far too high than I'd be willing to pay. But I just think he's a guy that I, I can guarantee is going to have, you know, one year of elite production, potentially two. And if I'm looking to buy a running back, that's what I'm looking for. And I think that he's got top five upside, but I'm probably having to pay kind of late RB1 kind of price range. Uh, he's on an incredible offense. Everybody wants pieces of this offense. I think hopefully the improvements in the offensive line are going to mean even if he does see a slight reduction in volume, we should hopefully see a tick up in terms of that level of efficiency. He is a true three down back. I don't believe any of this hype about Chris Evans taking some of his receiving work. Samar J.P. Ryan just needs to be left on the the couch somewhere you know he's he's been around in the league for far too long and they, they just need to feed joe mixon because i think he's elite and i i really truly believe that he's the guy that can give you rb1 price without that name value that you'd have to go and pay to to get one of the normal kind of win now assets at running back yeah do you know what rich I've got such an odd time here dealing this one because as Kev pointed to there, I absolutely love Joe Meeks. And I was the guy that I've been banging the drum for like the last three years now on Joe Meeks. And I was saying he's going to be a top three running back a couple of years ago. Didn't materialize. And then when I was kind of starting to fall off him a little bit, he did what he did last year and was absolutely, absolutely phenomenal for, for fantasy. So when you mentioned to me, I was absolutely loving it that you were going to bring up Joe Mixon. But maybe kind of dig a little bit into, into the stats from last year. And it kind of raised a few red flags that I wasn't really too, too aware of, to be honest. So we know that he got plenty of volume last year, 292 carries, which ranked third amongst running backs. His snap share ranked seventh amongst running backs. So we know he's got that elite volume. Then when you look at the yards per touch, you rank 34 amongst running backs, and that kind of raised a little bit of a is this like a Najee Harris kind of thing? Like he's getting a lot of a lot of touches, Oof. but maybe not not the elite production that you expect with someone getting that kind of volume. So then I thought, right, I'll dig a little bit deeper. 770 yards created. So that's what he's creating on his own. Um ranked eighth. So I thought, okay, we're we're getting back on track now. Starting to fall in love with, with Joe Mixon again. But then when you look at that on a per per touch basis. 2.31 yards which ranked 35th amongst running backs so then again i'm like he's getting all this volume and i just i don't know maybe is it should he be doing better than what he actually did given the amount of volume that he had and then you've got to think about the receiving work as well like you mentioned rich i fully agree joe mixon is a three down back but why why is cincinnati not using him like that why is he not being used as that third down back now looking at the the routes run he actually ranked seventh for run amongst running backs in in routes run so the opportunity is there but then 48 targets 28th amongst running backs it's like something's not adding up here with joe mixon because i absolutely love the talent as i say the volumes there in terms of running the ball i just want to see him used in that in that three down role and and getting that true workhorse load like you mentioned which just looking like to last year samaji p Rao was coming on sometimes to, to take the third down where can you just i just can't work out what's happening here. i don't know zach taylor what i don't know what he's playing at in cincinnati but yeah i fully agree in terms of talent I, I truly believe that Joe Mixon's right out there with the best of him. He's getting that volume on the ground. I'd just love for him to get a little bit more involved in, in the receiving game. And if he were, yeah, I think he's, he's more than a, a value at that RB8, RB11 range that he is on keep trade cut and, and DLF. So, um, yeah, it's a tricky one, Joe Mixon, because I absolutely love him. But I've still got maybe a little bit of concerns with Mixon. Before you slate him, Kev, because I know you're not a Joe Mixon fan. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I just say, I, I I agree with a lot of what you've said there, Matt, and I think that some of those numbers are, are definitely concerning. But I think a lot of that is 
the offensive line woes that they've had. Yeah, rather same than with, necessarily with Harris, isn't it? We see yeah. the same thing. And I think that the difference is if so if you look at the PFF yards after contact per attempt, which I think is is a really good running back stat because it kind of removes that offensive line away from it. He's ahead of Najee Harris. He's ahead of Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery. He's miles ahead of. Like, <laughs> I think I that. So. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, those numbers are concerning. But I think the offensive line. He's running behind one of the worst offensive lines last yeah. year, and they've gone out. They've you know been really sensible in free agency, and that they've not gone and signed a you know one of these big star names, Brandon Scherf or something like that. They've signed three above average interior linemen, which is where they were weak. And I think that you're going to see, hopefully, similar volumes, but definitely an, an uptick in that efficiency. Because, you know, rather than being hit in the backfield and, you know, one yard after after touching the ball, he's hopefully going to have some lanes created for him that's going to get him out in the open field more. I don't know where, where this rumours come from that I hate Joe Mixon. I, I do, I do. I, to be honest, it's a rollercoaster with Mixon. Like, I slammed him as a, I basically called him Josh Jacobs a few years back. Um, and it was kind of proven true for a bit, not getting used in the past game like people <laughs> thought it would. Um, but to be honest, and this is a dangerous thing to do, but his situation, I think if you're going to bank on a situation, it's probably RB over the other positions. Um, just if everything around him is perfect, then he's going to sort of mask if he isn't as good as maybe people think he is. Um, because he's an elite offense, the O line's definitely been upgraded, um, stealing guys from Tom Brady. So that's pretty funny as well, Ali. Um, I think obviously touchdown upside is going to be mega in that offense. And we've not actually seen the full peak of that offense, I don't believe either. I think they ran like. A, a low low amount of plays or a low pace to play, something like that, that it's going to swing back the other direction. There's going to be more opportunities. His backups aren't great. Zach Taylor is an issue. Um, so on Mixon, for me, it's it's all about his price. If he's going as RB7-8, I'm probably going to either go higher or um, go lower. But if he's going as RB11-12, yeah. I think that's really fair price to, to go and get him. And, and he has got upside. I mean, if the O-line is an improvement... Why can't he have a why why can't he put Jonathan Taylor Taylor numbers from last season? Absolutely. Yeah. I I I gave you a hard time there, Kev. You you were spot on. You were spot on all along with Joe Mixon in terms of you you nailed him with the receiving usage and now you've come to back on board once it's got there. So. This is beautiful. I mean, it's it's great we've got the best uh, co-host from Five Yard Dynasty on with us tonight to to agree with my takes. Uh, so we'll we'll swiftly move on to um, another running back who we may or may not agree with on this one, Rich. So who is next year? So next guy is Aaron Jones. Uh, again, maybe this is tying into the Aaron Rodgers thing, but this is a guy that I feel like I've been banging the drum for all off season. Um, look, ev everybody seems to really like him in redraft and nobody seems to like him in dynasty. And it's like, I don't know what you want from your dynasty running backs. Like if, if they're giving me more than one or two years, I'm, I'm happy. So look, this, everybody knows the guy's elite. Everybody knows that he's going to get let's be honest, he's probably the best receiver for Aaron Rodgers and no one wants to talk about that. He is an elite yeah. red zone weapon. We've seen him get elite touches in that goal zone, you know, in and around the goal line. 
where he can be lined up as a receiver. He can be moved around. And I think you're going to see the Packers get more inventive with his usage because they've got AJ Dillon. And I'm seeing, I see everybody sort of saying, well, AJ Dillon's going to get a bigger workload and it's going to eat into Aaron Jones. And it's like, yeah, great. That means he's going to get moved, moved around more and he's going to get targets. And, you know, a target's worth 2.6 times that, what what a carry is. So, yeah, if, if he loses 50 carries and gets 20 more targets, that means he's going to see an increase in production. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I really like him. I've been saying for the last two years that I think this is going to be his last season in Green Bay. And, and I said pretty much as soon as the contract was signed that it's a four-year contract, but it's actually only two years. And then the Packers did something really interesting this offseason where they basically converted his $3.75 million roster bonus into a signing bonus, which freed up $3 million in cap space this year. But it's actually made next year potentially slightly more palatable for him to be on the, the, um, on the roster. So they'd save it $11 million by moving on from him, which... Previously, they'd have saved 15 million for moving on from him. And I've, I've just sort of, I'm thinking if Aaron Rodgers is, you know, definitely on the roster, the Packers are going to be in, you know, win now mode. They're already in a position where they're pushing so much future cap on the Aaron Rodgers deal. Why, why not do the same thing with Aaron Jones? Now, it's not something that the Packers have normally done. They, they never push money into future years. But then they've done it with Aaron Rodgers, and I'm like, why? 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 why what's stopping them restructuring potentially at the end of this year? They could restructure Aaron Jones, push more money into next year, and then he's on the Packers for two years, and then we're going from this one year running back to potentially a two year running back. And I just think that at the price you can get that he's he's RB six for me in in redraft. Like I'm I'm all in on him this year, but if I can get that for two years at RB16, RB15 in current price. I, th- I think he's a screaming buy. And yeah, what, one of these running backs that I'm really happy to, to go and target in, in a win now that I think can win you a title this year. Yeah, you made a great point about sort of the valuing redraft, the valuing dynasty. If we think a few months back, I think Jones has been like running back 22, 23, keep trade cut. So it is an interesting thing to consider how people get in the redraft mindset and think that actually. Aaron Jones might be all right, really. Um, but uh, your analysis was, was spot on, really. The, the fact that, yeah, he is the best receiver on the path because I, I don't think that's a debate. Um, touchdowns, he got four last season. He'd been really good touchdown score before that, uh, really efficient. If he gets four, that's fine because AJ Dillon's a monster. But he's going to get more receptions, which, yeah, you don't really want him running between the 20s. Um, you, you want him getting touches. Uh, on third down in the past game uh, and, and we know that he's still pretty efficient with his touchdowns so he's going to get them um so yeah i, I think it's a, a great shout someone that um his value if, if you listen to you rich about the contract and then it's uh, like the one year and it like get rid of him but now that he's got that potential to have a two-year uh window that makes it a lot more enticing for me so yeah he's a guy that I'd be looking to go after before the season starts because as soon as it starts, people are just going to get a bit more crazy for him. No, I fully agree with you. I think in terms of a a player that you're going to be targeting to to win your championships, I think Aaron Jones is probably right up there as maybe the top running back that I'd maybe be targeting. I've picked up Chase Edmonds a lot, but I also think that Aaron Jones, 
I'm just I'm, I'm getting this feeling. I mean, you can both agree or disagree with me on this, but I'm feeling like that Austin Eckler getting him used a lot more in the receiving game. He could see tons of targets. Like you said, this could be the number one uh, receiver for Aaron Rodgers in this offense. You've just got to look at what somebody like Austin Eckler did. I know they're not exactly the same in terms of, of the size and, and how they have been used in previous years, but if he's getting those level of, of targets, like Rich said, we know that they're far more valuable for, for running backs. I'm not too scared if he's not getting used as much in the running game, as Rich said, because they've got AJ Dillon there. If Aaron Jones can get that level of receiving work, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he were a top five running back this year. Longer term, I have my concerns, like I've talked about. Um, that contract, Rich, seems to be kind of making me feel a little bit better that maybe there's a chance that he could get that second year. And if he gets two years with Aaron Rodgers, then, yeah, I mean, I'm absolutely in love even in terms of, of dynasty. There's still that concern, obviously, next year. But even worst-case scenario, you get to, to the end of the season, he's still going to have that contract. There's going to be people that are interested in him in dynasty. If you are concerned that there's a chance that he might not be there, um, during the off season, if they do let him go, then you've still got that wiggle room to, to move off him. So, yeah, I think in terms of someone's target, I think he's, yeah, he's probably my prime running back to target. Just going to say as well, when you mentioned about who it, like you mentioned Eckler, I think it's a bit like the the Saints when they had Ingram and Kamara at peak, where you've got your thumper in Ingram who's still, and then you've got Kamara like Jones, similar similar guys, similar size, similar usage. Um, so yeah, uh, just to confirm though, Rich, he isn't a Green Bay fan. He does support the Jets. <laughs> I don't, you'd think Liam Ram, wouldn't you, with all this Green Bay love going around? <laughs> love that, love that influence from Liam uh, on Rich with the the Packers love. Um, so we're now going to move on to the next position, wide receiver, uh, and who's your next guy you're looking to target in 2022 as a league winner? So this is this is perhaps I'm I'm normally a numbers guy, but perhaps this is the first time I'm ever going to go like <laughs> more on feel than anything else. Um, and it's, it's Mike Williams. I think that we've seen everything you you'd want to see from a true prototypical X receiver, but in bits and pieces, he's never kind of put it all together. And I just think that he is at a point in his career where I'm expecting a monster season where he's going to put it all together. We're going to see potentially, you know, MVP caliber season from Justin Herbert this year. And I think that Mike Williams is going to be a big part of that. Yes, he had his, you know, breakout season at 26 and, you know, he, he's not put it all together so far. But if you look at some of the numbers, he only saw 120 targets last year. He had his lowest dot of his career. In terms of it was he was at twelve last year. In previous years, he's been up at fifteen. He was he was up at eighteen point three in twenty nineteen. And I just think that we're gonna basically see Mike Williams unleash this year. And I think he's got, you know, absolutely astronomical potential. And when I'm looking for a receiver that can win me a title, what am I looking for? I'm basically looking for a guy that is cheap, that has got the potential to finish as a you know, top top three receiver basically, and yeah, I, I, Mike Williams is absolutely that. I think that you know, you, you we could sit here and say go out and buy you know Adam Thielen, who will give you one year of production and and be a little bit boring, probably finishes the wide receiver three. But he, you know, yeah, he's it's a nice buy player, but he's not going to win you a league. I think that if you're swinging for the absolute fences, why not go and get a guy that has proven, you know, he is a big-bodied downfield threat. 
he's improved as a route runner year after year. And he's, you know, yes, he's never going to be Keenan Allen as a route runner, but he's not being asked to be. And he's got the guy that's got the best arm talent in the league right now, throwing him the ball. If that, you know, those target numbers, we said 120 last year, if that creeps up to 130, 140, we see the, the A dots start to sneak up and he has a similar touchdown number. We're talking, you know, as I said, wide receiver one season. What what's not to love? I'm I'm having to pay mid wide receiver three prices for him right now. Yes, it's a risk, but you know, if if we're sitting here, there's there's no sure things. If yeah, if you know, you can go out and buy Justin Jefferson, but it's probably going to cost you your right leg, isn't it? That's <laughs> yeah. you to win in dynasty. I think you've got to take some level of risk. And I think Mike Williams is is absolutely the guy that could win your title for half the price. Yeah, I'll be honest, Rich, I absolutely love it whenever we talk Mike Williams because Kev in previous years absolutely loved saying that he's my dynasty wide receiver one when he was underperforming as, <laughs> as a young guy in the NFL. But now he's starting to to turn it around. I'm not really hearing Kev uh, put those little jobs into me anymore. Converted. So. <laughs> I absolutely love it whenever we talk about Mike Williams. And yeah, I think you've summed it up perfectly, Rich. He's got all the ingredients, everything there to be an absolute elite wide receiver um, in fantasy. You talked about is that deep threat, 12th in deep targets, 19th in our yards last year. It can even improve on that. This guy, we know he's one of the best deep threats, but then as well, it's his usage in the red zone. Um, ranked eighth in red zone targets. We know he's that go up and get it wide receiver. Sometimes you worry a little bit when you see him making these leaps into the air and come come crashing down. And, and that's why he gets labeled with these, these injury concerns because he is just such a i think how would um evan put it a dog is it he's an absolute dog when it comes to, to going up and getting the ball so um yeah it's everything just points towards him being in that perfect situation you spoke about the offense the quarterback that he's got everything's there for him to be elite in fantasy it's just stringing it all together we've seen those boom weeks and like you said if we can just start seeing him get a little bit more targets even though he did rank 14th amongst um wide receivers in, in targets last year but even still, if, if we can see that go up a little bit more with Keenan Allen, we know that he's probably on the back end of his career now as well. Mike Williams is in a position where he can really step up, be the wide receiver one in an absolute elite offense. And yeah, the fact that you can get him, what is it, wide receiver 28 on keep trade cut, wide receiver 22 on, on DLF. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if, if he rises up those rankings and he could easily be right up there as a, as a low-end wide receiver one in fantasy next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm converted. It will bit before last season, I think I, I dabbled in some Mike Williams, and it's just been—I've just got a taste for Big Mike now, and just uh, love love taking him in every every league I can. Um, wide receiver twenty-eight, cute Jacob, that's hilarious. Uh, I've got him in top twenty. Him and Keen Allen very close in dynasty. I think he'll easily yeah. surpass him this uh, by the end of this season with the age factor, the performance factor, and it's 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 getting me it's getting me thinking about films about um, a film like Face Off where. I think Big Mike Williams is going to nick Keenan Allen's face and outperform it this season. Um, I know we're going differently in, in redraft. Uh, Keenan Allen's going higher, but you can totally see that happening. And uh, another thing I'd just like to say about wide receiver, two, wide receiver two is on great offences. I think they're great targets. Um, yeah. Just because if there is an injury to the one, you've potentially got a monster. And Mike Williams does fit the profile of a guy that if something happens to Keenan Allen, I think he could thrive as a wide receiver one, um, pure on his own as the alpha, because he's probably an alpha anyway. Go on, Rich. 
<laughs> I was just sitting here praying you weren't going to say the word alpha. I really resisted not to do it. Really. Um, not resist it. I, I just, I just wanted to jump in and point out that I, I've got Mike Williams over Keenan Allen in Dynasty. I'd, I'd rather have Mike Williams straight up, absolutely. We're having a great show tonight, lads. So uh, we'll move on to another wide receiver uh, who you're looking to target, and um, I might have given this guy a bit of love on your show, Rich. Absolutely, absolutely. I thought I'd come back and uh, and repay the love. Um, so yeah, well, we're talking about boring wide receiver twos, and um, I think this guy gets basically a horrific rap as a a boring wide receiver two that you can now get for wide receiver four prices, and it's Brandon Cooks. Um, what, what, what do you want to say? The guy just produces, you know, it feels like nobody wants him. He's been traded three times in his career. He's been on four NFL teams. Yet every season he has played 15 or more games. He's put up a thousand yards and finished as a top 21 wide receiver. Like there's, uh, what was it? it was th- uh, three wide receivers have, fin- have put up a thousand yards in six of the last seven seasons. Uh, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Brandon Cooks, all similar in age, yet Mike Evans is going as a top 15 wide receiver. Keenan Allen, we've just talked about, is going as a top 15 wide receiver. And Brandon Cooks in Dynasty is a wide receiver 42. And it's like, okay, yeah, he's he's tied to Davis Mills. I get that's not particularly exciting. But who else has Davis Mills got the, you know, the option to throw the ball to. He had a 23, 24% target share last year from rookie Davis Mills and put up the world receiver 21 season. He's just been signed, signed to a new contract. You know, Houston wants to keep him around. I, I just think that you can almost pencil in a top 24 season for Brandon Cooks. Yes, it's not sexy, but if I compare... Brandon Cooks as my wide receiver three slash four in that, you know, maybe my first flex spot with someone like a Mike Williams. I've got that safety net of Brandon Cooks, and then I've got the boom bust of Mike Williams that's going to win me weeks on his own. And that's that's how I'm looking to build rosters. And I think that's how you need to build a contender is you need some of those safer, less sexy guys. You know, we, we joked about Adam Thielen. To me, Brandon Cooks has got a hell of a lot more upside. And I think far more likely to produce that wide receiver two season. And they're pretty much similar in price, aren't they? So, yeah, I, I, I don't get why he is so cheap. And uh, he's also not really as old as everybody thinks. No, not when you're my age. Um, I think he's another fantastic pit, Rich. You've, you've nailed it again. I'm not going to come on and slam you when I've been on your show and bigged him up as well. So... That would be silly of me to do that. Um, it, yeah, he stays healthy as a guaranteed top 24 wide receiver. Um, there's not a lot I can add. He's just, he, I can't believe he's that price. So, what is going on with the world? I mean, yeah, I haven't really got much more to add to it. It seems like every year we talk about it with Brandon Cooks being that that undervalued by receiving. It's, it's rings true again this year. It's brilliant. The fact that every year that goes on, he gets a year old. He seems to get disrespected even more. Yet he still puts up the, the elite number. So I just, I just can't get mad around it. Yeah, wide receiver 42 on, on Keep Trade Cut, 37 on DLF. is just absolutely printing money. The fact you can get him as what's that, a low-end wide receiver three, and you can almost guarantee that he's at least going to be a wide receiver two. Um, as Rich said, is the number one target in Houston, a team that's going to be behind 
uh, an awful lot chasing games an awful lot they're gonna have to throw the ball a lot yeah i just i'm, I'm shocked to be honest that, that his value is still that low I, I, how many times have we got to make the mistake of undervaluing before he actually gets that that recognition that he deserves yeah it's absolutely crazy but we'll uh we'll move on to a guy that's a bit crazy he's maybe missing a bit of the next season through uh suspension uh small teaser you should be able to get it off that if you're <laughs> playing along at home uh who's your next guy to target in 2022 at wide receiver rich well i i think this is this is probably the the biggest thing if you're looking to win a title when do you want your players to be playing their best mm. during the playoffs if i could tell you you can get a stud receiver that's at a discount right now because he's not going to be playing at the beginning of the season. What happy days! Like you're you're getting a discount when it doesn't really matter. Like it's it, for those of you who haven't guessed, it's DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> um, but, uh, much has been made about DeAndre Hopkins, and and everybody's kind of ready to throw him on the scrap heap because they've traded a first for Marquise Brown. Well, I'm sorry, you know Marquise Brown, competent NFL receiver good at a couple of things he is not DeAndre Hopkins as far as I'm concerned DeAndre Hopkins comes back from the suspension and this offense still runs through DeAndre Hopkins last year he had by all accounts a fairly awful year okay he was you know carrying a couple of niggles he wasn't particularly you know in the best frame of mind for a couple of things through eight weeks of the season last year guys I'm going to test you now where do you think DeAndre Hopkins was as a, as a wide receiver? Weeks one to eight. Go on, Matt. <laughs> well, I think I know because I'm really on the show sheet because I was going to bring it up. But <laughs> weeks, weeks one to seven, I know he was wide receiver 12, so I imagine he's not too far away from that. Oh, there you go, yeah. So week, week, weeks eight, he was wide receiver 14. So look, this this guy, that was when he then got injured, he disappeared. We, we got the suspension, everything like that. Worst case scenario, okay, you you go and buy DeAndre Hopkins at his current price. He comes back. He plays week seven, week eight. You can sell him for a profit because I can guarantee that he is going to be worth more in week seven and eight than he is right now. Best case scenario, you go and buy him now. You're in a position where you're a contender. You've got a potential wide receiver one, wide receiver two coming to add onto your your you know your playoff roster. I I just don't see a downside. I think that. Whether you're rebuilding, I think it's a great move to go and buy him because, as I said, you can sell for a profit in two months' time. If you're looking for a guy that can win you a league, why don't you want a guy that is a true, and I mean true, fantasy star in a good offense? I said good, not great. Um <laughs> With with a competent well, if, if they had a decent play caller, I'd be all in on this. But they've got a idiot of, of a head coach. So, but look, I think that if if you're if you consider yourself a contender and you think you can win a title this year and you've not gone and at least asked the question on DeAndre Hopkins, what are you doing? Because if you can go and get a guy you you've got here, Warriors for forty seven on keep trade cut. That's that's mind blowing. That's absolutely mind blowing. I mean, it's even more mind blowing. Kev, we know how much I love DeAndre Hopkins. Where did I have him ranked when we did his dynasty rankings last off season? I think I had him God, top right. five in my dynasty yeah. rankings. I absolutely love DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, leading into that last year, I thought it was absolutely going to smash with with uh, Kyler Murray there. But 
obviously didn't play out like you said, Richie, come off a, a disappointing season, obviously struggled with the injuries. And I think that's something you, you do start to get concerned when you see these aging wide receivers, I believe is, is he 30 now, getting to 31. You start wondering, are these injuries going to get more and more common? But in terms of talent, I mean, yeah, you, you haven't got to conv convince me, Rich, on DeAndre Hopkins, because I absolutely love the guy. And like you said, it's, it's it's kind of boiling up into a perfect storm now because obviously there's coming off the back of that disappointing season the fact that he's got that suspension people are concerned about him but yeah the fact that you can get him so cheap wide receiver 47 is just ridiculously cheap for a guy that in terms of talent when he's healthy on the field is top five for me still i think in terms of talent you've only got to look back to some of some of the plays from just last year and the talent is definitely still there. Like you said, I'm starting to cool a little bit on this on this Cardinals offense. I've been known to be a, a lover of this offense in, in the last couple of years. And yeah, I'm starting to think maybe Cliff Kingsbury is not the, the answer to, to the problems over there in, in Arizona. But yeah, in terms of talent, I mean, the fact that you can get him so cheap for a guy so talented is an absolute perfect target. And as you said, in, in both phases, win now and, and rebuild, because I fully agree once he's back on the field, you can almost guarantee it. You can guarantee that that value is going to go up. Sounds like um, insider trading where it's a guaranteed win. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like where's the where's the problem here? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what I really like about this take uh, on on Hopkins. It's it's more the game theory side of buying him now, and you know that he's going to go up in value. Um, if he, he plays a couple of games, he's gone up in value, and it's also getting dynasty players to think a little bit like they will play redraft because i know i've i've played a, a couple of the charity leagues in redraft this year targeting hopkins dynasty i'll hold my hand up i've not <laughs> so yeah that's something that's given me a bit of a bit of a, a, a thing to to reach out for i'll have to get some trades sent out before this goes uh, live <laughs> to the public though because that will inflate his price and then the insider trading um, won't be as, as good for me. So, um, so yeah, really love that pick, Rich, and that the game three provided on that one. I think, uh, we'll... before, can I quickly say before we dive into that end, I think the biggest thing with a lot of players that are buying win-now pieces as such is that the reason their price drops is not necessarily because the production is going to disappear. It's basically because there's going to be no resale value. And with a lot of the guys we've talked today, you're buying them for their production and you're almost accepting, yes, the price is going to fall off a cliff. You know, we're talking about DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, he's, you know, going into 31. He's not going to be worth the same price in a year's time. But I'm buying the production for now and accepting I've not got the resale value. And I think that that's the mentality that you need to have if you're going to be aggressive to try and win a league is that, you're all, whatever you're paying to go and get these potential league winners, you're almost lighting on fire. You know, yes, if, if you're worrying about resale value and keeping that value incubated in your roster, then yeah, just just go and buy young 22 guys, 22 year old guys, because chances are they'll keep their value for a couple of years, and you'll probably never win a title, but you'll you'll have good overall roster value. You know, I think at some point you need to accept that you're you almost need to light on fire a couple of trade assets and say, I'm going to buy DeAndre Hopkins. I'm going to buy Aaron Jones. And yes, he's going to die on my roster. I'm not going to be able to sell him. I'm going to keep him till he retires, but I'm going to get some good production whilst I've got him. Yeah. I love Shade. Um, anyone that's ageist, honestly, <laughs> I, I really do appreciate that, Rich. Thank you very much. So we're now <laughs> going to come on to your, your last pick at tight end. And I've got to say for me, this was a curveball. 
Yeah, so it's 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 no offense. Um I, I think that this is a guy that everybody has has dreamed of being super, you know, the superstar who's the first round pick and everybody's kind of hyped up and he's he's never really produced and kind of put it together. And then he gets traded to Seattle and everybody's just kind of like, okay, let's throw him on the scrap heap. He's he's kind of done. And I've sort of gone back and forth on him and, and yeah, the quarterback situation is not great. And yeah, they've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So he's probably going to be third in terms of targets and that kind of thing. But then I'm like, I don't think that Denver were willing, to, you know, throwing him in the trade because they wanted rid of him. I think that Seattle went and got him for a reason. And I think that you don't get a player like Noah Fant in a trade for Russell Wilson unless Seattle said, we want Noah Fant. And I think that Noah Fant is a competent tight end. I think he is better than perhaps people give him credit for. And I think he produces from a fancy perspective through his career, probably better than people remember. And I think that, look, I, I still believe in Geno Smith. Like, don't get me wrong. He's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's not elite. He's he's never going to be, you know, a, a superstar NFL starter. But I still think he's a top 30 NFL quarterback. And I think that people, you know, treating him as a punchline are being too harsh. You know, I, I really think that this offense, don't get me wrong. I think they're, they're going to be terrible as a team. I think the defense is awful. But I think the offense is probably going to be better than people expect and I think no fans going to be part of that and if I want you know a tight end I know you 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 love it Kev you want one of the elite guys or you you don't at all kind of thing and if I just think that for the price you have to pay for no fan more so in a trade perhaps than where he's going in terms of startup values I think that you can go and get Noah Fan, and and he's he's a cheap punt at a tight end, and we've got the elite production, and I really think that the ceiling is potentially there. So if you're looking to be cheap at tight ends with a guy that could win you a league, Noah Fan's my guy this year. Yeah, I'll first off just start by saying Gino Smith's my most rostered QP. There we go. There we go. It's a little bit embarrassing, but <laughs> the smart people know why. It's because he was on waivers and etc etc but uh yeah no fan i think where he's going the range he's going uh the people around him i, I think he has got the highest ceiling other than Njogu. um <laughs> but yeah is he a league winner probably not in my eyes but i think he's someone that can definitely gain value and help your team if if all you need is somebody at tight end that's going to be sort of steady and outproduce what you've paid for him rather than needing tight end one overall production and let's not forget tight end it's really hard to pick someone that's not in the top four or five that's actually going to win you a league you have to get so lucky to to um predict that i guess yeah i'll be honest i don't care i really don't understand why people are so against noah fan the fact that he's gone to seattle from denver i mean you've just listed it rich he's gone to a team that's obviously got a poor quarterback and is behind two top wide receivers isn't that basically what he had in Denver? He's got the same quarterback. I mean, Drew Lock went with him to, to Seattle. Geno Smith, yeah, he could argue that he's an upgrade on, on Drew Lock, but I wouldn't say it's personally by by a huge amount. And then obviously going from Sutton to, to a guy like Metcalf, it's well, I, I will admit that Metcalf is better than Sutton. It's I don't think the situation is drastically different. And as you mentioned, the Seattle team, it's 
it's not going to be it's not going to be good. So I feel like they're going to be throwing the ball uh, plenty. And as you touched on, Noah Fan is in that range where you're just looking for basically the most athletic tight end that's going to see targets. And I think Noah Fan fits that perfectly in the situation that he's got. Yeah, I've I've been high on Noah Fan for a while. When he moved, I was just buying that dip. I've, I've done it in leagues that me and Kevin are in together. I think we spoke about him when we were talking about Albert O. And I'd I'd happily move off him when all that hype was around Albert O and move on and, and get Noah Fan because I just feel like the, the disrespect is just uncalled for it. I don't I don't get why. I feel like the situation is is basically the same. You could even argue that it's slightly better. So yeah, I don't get the hate, and I think the upside is, is definitely there with a guy as athletic as, as what Noah Fan is, um, and the opportunity that he could get in, in Seattle. Smashed it, right. So that brings us to the end of the win now players, uh, the league winners section of the show. We're now going to move on to the wildcard selection where we get our guest Rich to pick out one player that he believes will be his fantasy wildcard, a player that will improve his dynasty value the most in 2022. So, Rich, who's your wildcard selection? So my wild card selection is Desmond Ridder. Um, basically, what I, what I, I I took this as, and since I've been listening to the pod, I've I've sort of thought, for me, what I want is someone that's basically got the potential to blow up in value. And you know, we we all talk about superflex, and and that's what I'm I'm aiming at here, is that a, a starting quarterback who is not currently a starting quarterback is the person who has the most potential to completely blow up in value. You look at someone like Jalen Hurts, who, you know, after he was drafted, he was going in the second, third round of rookie drafts and is now worth multiple first round picks off the back of that. And I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts and Desmond Ridder are similar in terms of their running style and their playability, but I think that Desmond Ridder's got that potential. He, yes... The Falcons, you know, he, he's not the starting quarterback. We've got Marcus Mariota, who I know, Kev, you still yeah. love. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that basically the Falcons are going to have to give Desmond Ridder an opportunity to start this year because I think that they're going to be bad enough that they're going to have a top three pick next year, at which point they're going to have to say, are we going and getting one of these, you know, Young or Stroud or, or whoever else? who's going to be our next franchise quarterback, or are we going to give Desmond Ridder a chance and say goodbye to this potentially you know, generational quarterback class that's coming in next year? So I think that the Falcons have got to give him an opportunity to start. And this is a guy that you know has shown through his, his career in Cincinnati, he is a good pocket passer with mobility. He's got some rushing upside. If he shows enough that he is the starting quarterback in 2023 he's going to be worth worth a first plus. Now, currently, you're probably having to pay maybe like a, a, a you know a 24 first or something to go and get him. But I can almost guarantee week one, week two, with Max Mario starting, his price is going to plummet because as soon as a guy isn't doing anything for your fancy roster, people forget about them. You know, it's, if, if he's not doing any scoring me points on a weekly basis, I'm not interested. So I think that for me, I think if I'm going to buy someone, I, I, I'm going to buy Desmond Ritter in week one, week two. I'll do the same with Malik Willis because I think that they have got the potential to completely blow up in terms of dynasty value. And, and that's why Desmond Ritter is my wild card. Rich, I think you've absolutely nailed it. Like you said at the start, you've kind of, you know what you're doing when we're asking for this wild card selection. We're wanting someone that can can gain that value. And, and yeah, it's hard to argue. Ritter is going to absolutely 
skyrocketing value if he gets the opportunity. And and like you said, that I feel like the Falcons have to see what they've got in Ridder. As you mentioned, they've got the potentially other picks. We know that this roster is not the the best roster. Um, if Marx Mario does does okay, I don't think he's going to be able to lead him to to a playoff or anything like that. So they've got to at least see what they, what they've got in this quarterback. And yeah, I mean, both me and Kev love Ridder as well. I think Kev's probably got the the most to say about this because he loves Ridder. He also loves loves Marx Mario and well. So I'm sure Kev's going to be struggling all year on which side of, of the coin he <laughs> wants to be on. But yeah, in terms of, of Pete Rich, I think you've nailed it with this. We know the potential upside. We've seen it with someone like Jalen Hurts and as you mentioned while he's not quite the the same runner as what Hurts is if he's a starting quarterback in the NFL his vibe is going to shoot up so yeah I think it's a, a great selection yeah we had to bring Rich on last because he's wildcat pick last year with Deontay Johnson which was one of the better wildcat picks so we thought we'd make it difficult for him uh, <laughs> letting I think 21 or 23 other selections before so we, we, we did make it tough but I think you've you have nailed it if he does get the job uh, into next season, it's going to be a massive win for you, a massive uh, additional value to your roster. And I think the Jalen Hurts shout is is fair in, in the sense of even if he performs well towards the end of this season, there's going to be some clouds over him into next season. But his value will be a first, first plus. Longer term, until he does prove it again and again and gets that long-term deal of Atlanta, he will have that over his head that the mind going in a different direction but we're talking about one year wild card i think you've nailed it again rich which it, it is a little <laughs> bit a little bit frustrating but also well played <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that um that brings us to the end of today's show where we've spoke about players to win you fantasy titles this season before you go rich please remind the audience uh, where you can where they can find you and anything else you'd like to plug yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at Dynasty Island. Uh, all my written works over at DLF. Uh, I do the, the weekly live stream with Liam over at Five Yard Dynasty. Uh, and then I've got my Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com slash Dynasty Island. All my survival kit, ranks, trade calculator, and much, much more. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, any final thoughts on today's show, Matt? Uh, I'll just start by thanking Rich for, for coming on. It's always uh, a lot of fun whenever we get Rich on. We, we always have a nice bit of uh, banter with Rich. So, yeah, it's it's been great having him on. And I think we brought up some great points. The one thing that, that's sticking in my mind is if you're looking for these win-now guys, the, the, the cheat code, I feel, is these guys that are suspended or, or going to be injured to start the season. I feel like those are the guys that you can really pick up cheap to start the year. And, and as, as we've touched upon, once they get on the field, you know that value is going to shoot up. So, yeah, I think that's the, the way I attack getting these these guys as potential league winners. Yeah, definitely what Matt said. Loved having you on, Rich. It's always a, a very interesting and fun debate when we have you on. We've we've agreed on a lot tonight, to be honest. No, um, shockingly. I think it's people say that's a bad show, but I think it just shows that the takes are correct and uh, people are going <laughs> to get some really solid <laughs> advice from uh, from tonight's takes. But, um, but yeah, just thank you for coming on. It's always a, a pleasure to have a UK dynasty legend on our show. So, um, so yeah, thank you for that. And uh, thank you to the audience as well for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Wildcard. Subscribe to us on YouTube by searching Fantasy Wildcard Podcast Network, which will also include the new brand new Rewind show that we'll be dropping this week. Plus, if you want to, leave a five-star podcast review. Do it. Join us for our next show on Tuesday the 13th of September. We'll be recapping week one of the new season from a dynasty point of view. Thank you once again. Have a good one. And we'll see you very soon.
When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.